Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank you that you indeed never let go of us. You call us by name, claim us as your own in the waters of baptism. You nourish and feed us with your word, strengthen us with your sacrament, and you guide us by your spirit. And yet, Lord, we know that this world pulls at us from all different directions, that there are a lot of things that, that get in the way, that get in the way of us fully trusting you and walking in your ways. And yet, even as we wander off the path at times, you never let go. You're always there. Pull us back to the truth of, of who you are. And so we pray, be with us this day as we look upon your word, as we learn and grow, as we examine our own hearts and lives, struggle with what we see. We pray in your name. Amen. What gets in the way? In our gospel lesson today, we see from Mark chapter 10, this wealthy young man who comes to Jesus and asks that very pertinent question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he begins to kind of lay out his own thoughts on it. If I simply do all of these things, then I must be okay. Teacher, I've heard what you say. I've done all these things. I've kept them all from my youth. What is it that gets in the way? I was thinking about that question. Maybe for, for some, it's golf. The story is told of the pastor who loves golf and he's kind of envious of all of the, the people who can play on Sunday morning and just kind of skip church. And so he decides one Sunday morning he's going to call in sick and go play golf. And he knows that in order to not get caught, he has to drive all the way to Grant's. And he gets up there, and he's a, there's a beautiful short par four, and, and he just hits his driver with all of his strength, and it lands, and then it just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and right up onto the green and into the cup. Hole in one on a par four. I mean, wow. And Moses turns to God and says, what are you doing? 
You just let that pastor who skipped church get a hole in one on a par four. And God says, yeah, but who's he going to tell? <laughs> what is it that gets between us and God? Maybe for some it's not golf, but there's all sorts of other things that become our religion in life. Maybe it's sports of some sort. For some, it might not be those kinds of things, but, but maybe, it's, maybe it's hunting or fishing or camping. Maybe those things take up our time and draw us away from God. But you see, what, what really it boils down to is life becomes all about me. It's all about me and what I want and what I want to do and we begin to forget what it is that God calls us to and our hearts become open to all of the, the things of the world, the sins of the world, if you will, that just kind of drive those wedges in between us and God. It's kind of like when we were kids and we were looking at what everybody else has and that envy kind of creeps in and we go, I want that. Or it's like when you are, you know, there and there's two cookies left on the plate and your mom says to you, let your sister choose first. And you're going, I know she's going to choose my favorite one just to spite me. All we think about sometimes is me. do is sell everything that I have and give it to the poor? It's about me. I don't know if I can, can do that. But you know, there are other things also in our lives, in our hearts, in our attitudes that get in the way between us and God. Sometimes it's bitterness. Bitterness toward other people because somehow we feel like we were wronged or mistreated. Bitterness toward God because somehow things didn't turn out the way that we wanted them to. And so we're just in that state. And that bitterness flows again from, it's all about me. Sometimes the thing that separates us from God is anger. We're angry at him. We don't like what he's doing in our lives. We don't like the way our lives have unfolded or the things that have happened or, or maybe we're mad at other people. And our own feelings and our emotions drive that wedge in between us and God. Sometimes we find ourselves lonely, feeling all alone and in despair. Because you see, we don't know where to turn. We're looking for the answers in all of the wrong ways and we're not listening to what God says. In our loneliness, we're dwelling on ourselves and we forget that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sometimes 
that thing that gets in the way between us and God or even other people is just very simply pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. Sometimes it's due to the circumstances and situations, but a lot of times it's due to our own choices. You see, so many times in our lives we're trying to live it our way, my way, not God's way. That's the problem with the rich young man here. When he begins to fully understand what God's way is, he can't go there. I love this slide because you notice the number of arrows and the number of lanes. There's only one God's way, but there's a whole lot of them going my way. It's easy. It's easy to listen to our own ideas, our own sinful flesh, and our own sinful nature, and yet God wants us to listen to his word. Too often we fall into the trap of Adam and Eve and sounds good sounds appealing so we take that fruit you know it's wrong but you see it's all about me it's what appeals to me and to my life it's good for me We eat it. And we become corrupted with sin and our hearts become hardened and as our epistle lesson to say, we are in rebellion against God. It's not where God wants us to be. The scriptures remind us that no one is without sin that we have all sinned against God, that we all deserve his wrath and his punishment. And we walk around in our lives burdened by sin and sin overwhelming us and we are so blind to it that we can't see it at times. And we want to play the blame game just like Adam and Eve did when confronted by God in the garden. We want to blame everything and everyone and and every situation around us, and we often don't want to take responsibility for our own actions or, or where we find ourselves. Yes, some things are beyond our control in this world, but nothing is beyond God's control. After talking about Sports kind of getting in our way. I couldn't help but to think of it this way. Babe Ruth once said this. He said, never let the fear of striking out get in your way. I remember as a kid watching Hank Aaron break Babe Ruth's record. Anybody remember that? See, there are some sports fans. 
And I remember the announcers saying, did you know that Babe Ruth, with all of these home runs, how many? 700 and? 14. See, there are some sports fans. With all of those home runs, he had more strikeouts. But we don't remember him for his strikeouts. We remember him for his home runs. You see, he didn't let fear of striking out keep him from swinging at the ball. And yet so many times in our lives, we are paralyzed by fear. We're afraid of what's going to happen. And so we kind of just live in our own little world, even forgetting about the phrase that God reminds us in the book of Romans, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. See, Christ comes into this world and he comes to heal. And in that healing, he says, open your eyes and see more clearly. And even when we've been plagued for years, he reaches out to heal us from our infirmities and our diseases. And he reminds us that our healing comes by the forgiveness of sins. Rise, take up your bed and walk but so that you may know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive. See, that's where it's all at. With the things that we face in this world, Jesus Christ carries them all to the cross. And it's by His wounds that we are healed. And it's by His wounds that we are forgiven and strengthened. And as that that forgiveness sinks into us, it should chase away all of the fears. But you see, the devil, he just can't let go. And he tries to keep us paralyzed with that fear that keeps us sitting comfortably in our pews on a Sunday morning. And as we live our lives through the week, he has our mouths somewhat zipped shut. I can't talk about Jesus. That's not a very popular thing to do in this world today. And I'm just going to kind of keep my mouth shut. I can't talk about Jesus because I don't know enough. I can't talk about Jesus because what will people think of me? Oh, we're right back to the me. It's all about me. You see, what we become is we become paralyzed out of fear. That a little bit of doubt creeps in our hearts. Wow. They start to waver. So I'm reminded of, of the disciples in the boat, Jesus walking on the water. 
The scriptures tell us that they're very afraid. And Jesus says, it is I, Jesus, who come to you. And that's what Jesus says to us when we face the daily things of life that we struggle with, whether it's anger or bitterness or fear, whether it's envy or the distractions of the world. It's Jesus who says, here I am. For all of the for all of the faults that Peter has, his impetuous mouth, I think, opens before he really thinks about it. Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come to you on the water. What did I just say? Sure, Peter. Come on. Well, what are you going to do? Eleven others heard you say it. Al, it's kind of like that zip line. Now you got to do it. You get out of the boat. Overcome fear, how? By fixing your eyes on Jesus. Walk on the water, how? After you get out of the boat. And you walk on the water because your eyes are fixed on Jesus. We walk through life because we fix our eyes on Jesus, on the cross where He suffered and died for us. And our confidence and our hope and our strength is not in the things of the world but in Christ Jesus, who was crucified for us, whose blood was shed for us, who was raised from the dead for us. Our confidence is in Him. Our strength is in Him. But here's the thing. Are you confident enough in Christ to step into the role that God has for you? Are you confident enough in Christ to get out of the boat? Are you confident enough in Christ to let go of the things that get in between you and God, that get in the way? Are you confident enough in Christ to go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor? Wow. By the way, Sarah, There are many who think that this rich young man is actually the author of this gospel. It's 
It's the only gospel that tells the story. Who is this young man? Perhaps it is someone who ultimately does follow Jesus. It would be easy to use this whole thing as kind of that guilt motivator. You're not really following Jesus if you don't sell everything you have. You're not really following Jesus if. But that's not what it is. It's about understanding that Christ has given everything for us. That He understands what gets in the way between us and God. And that He goes to a cross to open up the way. It would be as if in this scene, the Good Shepherd comes to open up a way through for the car to travel. It is Christ who begins to carry our burdens, to heal our wounds, to open up the way between us and God, to fill that chasm, to bridge the gap that separates us from Him. And He does it with nails driven through His hands and His feet on a cross. You see, what happens in our lives is when we focus on Christ, then our priorities begin to fall into place. And what's important becomes more evident. And what's not so important fades away. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Him. Follow Him. Follow your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.